This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy Monday, everybody, and I, I can say that because I think for a lot of you, there's no work today. So, uh, happy holidays, everybody, and Hanukkah continues. Christmas, in a lot of ways, will continue for folks, too. We're back here with you from Studio B, though, on this Monday because, of course, the NFL and the NBA schedules march on, and uh, worthy conversation to be had today regarding a big Saints win over the weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. That was a nice Christmas gift, wasn't it? We'll talk with John DeShazer today from NewOrleansSaints.com about the win on a Saturday against Tampa Bay and here a preview of this final week of the regular season. Hard to believe the Saints season will come to a close uh, coming up on Sunday at Atlanta. That game has been flexed, by the way, to the late afternoon, and I think now, as opposed to on Christmas Eve, folks will be happy about that uh, a little bit later in the day on New Year's Day, and so uh, keep that in mind as you plan your weekend and how you want to view the Saints and the Falcons this weekend. I just I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. We'll talk more about that with John. I, I'd like to see the Saints really finish on a high note here. It'll be tough, though. Boy, Atlanta is really rolling right now. And that offensive line of theirs is uh, is really something to watch. You know, we've always talked about the Dallas offensive line. Don't sweat on Atlanta's offensive line and shoot. If things fall right for the Falcons, it could be Cowboys-Falcons NFC Championship. Yeah, I know. Boy, you know, on a lot of levels, that – doesn't seem like a lot of fun that would be good football though but I understand folks who well don't particularly care for the Falcons who listen to this podcast and I'd imagine a good number of you also don't necessarily care for the Cowboys either but that's what could happen all I'll say is this especially after what happened over the weekend in the NFL the playoffs the postseason of the NFL boy that could be a real um interesting and uh, somewhat nail-biting watch for some folks around the country so look forward to that one week to go saints and falcons this weekend we'll dive into that conversation a little bit deeper as this week progresses hey uh, on the basketball side you're also coming off of a win yeah the pelicans won on friday night they've been kind of idle the last couple of days they're back to work tonight looking to make it a two-in-one record on this homestand and uh, they owe the dallas mavericks a game don't they Dallas is 1-0 in the season series thus far. The Mavericks come to, come to town tonight. And there are some questions about uh, which Mavericks will play. Some may be already out. Some may be a game-time decision. We'll hopefully get some more answers to that when we welcome in our old friend Chuck Cooperstein today. Chuck, of course, the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. I'll probably ask him a Cowboys question or two as well since he's plugged into them, and that is a big story in the NFC. So just because it's a holiday Monday for many, it'll be a good day to uh, spend some time with us. Hope you'll uh, kind of uh, make us a part of your day, at least over the next 25, 30 minutes or so. So we'll take a quick break. We'll talk more about the Saints win with John DeShazer in just a moment, and then we'll preview tonight's Pelicans action at the Smoothie King Center. 
This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Domino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Welcome back in, everybody. Let's talk football here on this Monday. We're two days removed from the Saints win over Tampa Bay over the weekend, a nice 31-24 victory that has the Saints on the brink of possibly ending the season at 500. And as we are ought to do on Mondays, we welcome in John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. John, if I'm not mistaken, I think you wrote on NewOrleansSaints.com after the football game simply, why the Saints won this past weekend. So, let's start there. Why did the Saints win? Well, I mean, they were a lot cleaner with the football more than, more than anything uh, than they were the first time against Tampa Bay. I mean, three turnovers and 13 penalties. Uh, they don't have um, three turnovers. only have the one turnover, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, but, you know, just a lot cleaner with the football. Only seven penalties committed. Uh, we're able to control it. We're able to run the football for a change against Tampa Bay. 16 rushes for 46 yards against Tampa in Florida, and then they go 31 carries for 123 yards and a bonus couple of touchdowns in New Orleans. So that helps them control the football. They were able to keep some semblance of balance offensively, which they weren't able to do because they couldn't run it in Tampa. Uh, they had to throw it, but this time they were able to get some balance. Drew Brees only had to throw um, only had to throw 34 times for 299 yards, did not throw an interception. So all of those things, big, huge things uh, for the Saints in terms of being able to keep Tampa Bay's defense on the field, keep Tampa Bay's offense off the field, and stay balanced offensively themselves. That's always the key for them. If they can get a little bit of balance, a little bit of a running threat, and they got a big running threat from Mark Ingram on Saturday, you know, 18 carries for 90 yards and a couple of touchdowns. If you can get that, then you can be a balanced team and you can – you can have not not necessarily have your way, 
you can certainly put yourself in advantageous situations against any defense. I'm not as up on the Saints as you are or their opponent, John, but I will admit I was a bit surprised that Tampa was that vulnerable to the run. Yeah, well, they had not been that – well, they had been somewhat. I'd say say somewhat because they were allowing 116 yards a game, and that's not, you know, awful, but it's certainly not great. Um, They had been a team that had been able to get ahead, and therefore by doing that, you know, you force teams to be a lot more one-dimensional now you give up some runs on a draw play or something like that. And, and you know, the, the per, per carry average isn't wonderful against you. But, you know, for about a seven, eight-week stretch, they've been as good a defense as any defense in the league. So for them to be able to, to not stop the Saints running the ball, and, I mean, look, they knew the Saints wanted to run it, especially at the end. Now, sometimes earlier in the game, you know, you can catch a team off balance and, and that kind of thing. The Saints are a team that throws the ball, and you might catch them in a first-down situation where you run it and you can get five yards and keep them off balance. But at the end of that game, when the Saints needed to run and Tampa Bay knew the Saints needed to run, they couldn't stop them. And that says a lot for the Saints' offensive line, and maybe that says something for, you know, just keeping Tampa Bay's defense on the field as long as they did, wearing them down a little bit, leaning against them, because those last three carries, by Mark Ingram to salt the game away were the epitome of here it is, stop it if you can, and Tampa Bay couldn't stop it. Yeah, it's fun to watch, and it, it it takes us back to some better days for the Saints, no doubt about that. John, you know, there are a lot of things that you and I talk about standing on the practice field during training camp every year, and most of it is a bunch of BS, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and some things we get wrong and some things we get right. I'll say this, a lot though. more wrong than right. Yeah, true. <laughs> But I think I think that you and I agreed on on two things regarding the Saints wide receiver core. Number one, I think that you and I both talked during training camp about the feeling that Brandon Cooks truly had emerged as a, a true number one receiver in the NFL. And the other thing that we mentioned was Michael Thomas, the rookie, and how we thought he was going to turn out to be really pretty good. Those two things, at least, out of all the you know nonsense that we talk about, seem to have bared out now with one week to go. Well, I mean, they really have two good ones there. Um, if you, you know, if you have a number one cornerback who is capable of taking a receiver away, if, if that's a Patrick Peterson, or you know, if that's a Joe Hayden or whoever that guy might be for your team, you can only put him on one Saints receiver, and the Saints will happily go to either Brandon Cooks or Michael Thomas, and add in a little Willie Sneed, and add in maybe some tight end action from from Kobe Fleener and add in some running back action, whether it's Travaris Cadet or if it's Mark Ingram or if it's Tim Hightower, the Saints don't mind you trying to take away a guy because they feel like they will hurt you with other guys, and that's exactly what they've been able to do. Those two guys have phenomenal seasons. Mike Thomas is about 34 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. Brandon Cooks is on the cusp of a 1,200-yard season. He's already passed. I think he's up to 1154. He was at 1136 last year, so he's already – surpassed his, his career high and is already into well into his second you know, consecutive 1,000-yard season. Michael Thomas should gain him with 1,000 if he can get 34 against the Falcons. Uh, Willie Sneed is no slouch. He's probably going to end up with 800 or so yards as your third receiver. Uh, so they are they are huge. But, yeah, we saw Brandon Cooks, and, and the way Brandon Cooks is becoming a little bit more of a complete receiver. He wants to be able to show his versatility in his route running. But certainly he's still the deep threat that any team would love to have and he proves it week in and week out. Michael Thomas, I mean, if you throw it in his direction, either he catches it or he fights like hell to get it. 
I mean, he, you know, we saw it, and we kept talking about the one-handed laid-out catches that he's making during camp and, you know, how nobody, you know, he, he's got the perfect Twitter handle, you know, can't guard Mike because I hadn't seen anybody stop him yet. Uh, he catches a slant pass on Saturday, uh, beats the DB to the inside, sheds the tackle, uh, shows a little shimmy in his run and, and gets caught from behind because the traffic just catches up to him, but he goes 46 yards with it. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. And we keep reflecting on in the beginning of the season when Coach Sean Payton says, look, I don't play fantasy football, but if I did, I'd take it. Uh, that tells you something you know, about the regard that the Saints had him at. He's been the number one rookie receiver. If it were not for those two phenomenal guys in Dallas, you know, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, he might be the leading guy in terms of you know, rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, but he, he's been quite defined in the second round. He's been better than anybody who was taken before him at receiver or after him at receiver. He's been the, the crown jewel receiver of the rookie class. Two interceptions yesterday for Jarris Bird. How about that, John DeShazer? Yeah, um, good to see him just keep persevering and keep chopping at it and keep going at it and keep going at it. And, you know, they say he's finally fully back to health. Um, so I guess he might have still been, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries. I remember speaking to him, you know, earlier this year and later this year where, you know, I asked him, you know, point Blake, hey, point Blake, are you 100%? And he just kind of looks and smiles and said, you know, hey, you, you play with what you got. So it looks like he's, he's now back to hopefully 100% um, played. The first interception, I mean, you know, I don't want to say it was a gift, but Jameis Winston hangs one out there and he's playing center field. He rotates over properly. But the second one is his instincts and the ability that we saw him to, to jump around. The things that he did in Buffalo that made him a pro bowler and an all-pro, and we hadn't seen it in New Orleans because it just hadn't been there. But he certainly looked the part on Saturday. Uh, just good to see something good happen for him. So one week to go, John, and so how great would it be for the for the Saints and the Falcons to be playing for the NFC South division? Uh, we won't have that, but I, I certainly think that this weekend's game is going to be a lot of fun in Atlanta, don't you? Well, you're talking about rival teams who don't particularly care for each other in the same division. And look, you know, the Saints want to get to 8-8. Eight eight. They don't want to be 7-9 three consecutive years. The Falcons are fighting for the number two seed in the NFC. The game's been flexed back. It's going to be a 325 kickoff central time here. Uh, and the Saints would love nothing more than if we can't win the division, then can we knock off our, our arch rivals and keep them out of the number two seed in the NFC. So, Saints, look, if they were going to pack it in, I, I said this a while ago, if they were going to pack it in, I thought they were going to pack it in at Arizona on the road when they were assured of not having a winning season and probably weren't going to the playoffs. Didn't pack it in against Arizona. Didn't pack it in against Tampa. And Tampa Bay had a heck of a lot to play for Saturday in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They were able to win that one, too. Saints want to finish out with three straight wins and feel like they are arcing in the in the right direction. We know they finished out last year with three wins in four games just to make them feel like they were arcing in the right direction. Finishing out with three straight wins here would make them feel like they're reaching in the right direction. Now, do they have a lot of work to do in the offseason? Of course they do. You know, they'll be 8-8 eight and eight at best. But, you know, they certainly want to go into the offseason feeling better about themselves and feeling better because they beat the Falcons in the final game. Yeah, well said. John DeShazer here with us from NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., you'll be on the broadcast with me again tonight as the Pelicans host the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Maybe a thought from you on the basketball side about what will happen tonight in downtown New Orleans. Well, I, I just looked at it, and I love, you know, I didn't really 
pay attention to the numbers uh, the other night because I, I guess I was just caught up in the whirlwind. But the Pels only allowed 38 points in the second half, which is pretty phenomenal in Dallas as a team that doesn't score a whole lot. So hopefully the Pels will be able to get something done defensively. And look, they owe Dallas a little something for that loss in Dallas earlier. Um, they should have a, a salty taste in their mouth because they lost on the road to a pretty, pretty bad team, and Dallas just outworked them and outplayed them. And I think everybody on the team said as much. So hopefully, look, the the the, the Pels realize they're not capable of just showing up and sleepwalking for a quarter and a half. The better they'll be. And you, you know, sometimes it's just like you know, where's the juice? Where is it from these guys? And and they turn it on, but they don't turn it on in time. So hopefully they'll jump Dallas from the beginning. Because, I mean, look, you know, yeah, the Pills are 11-21, but look, Dallas is not a good team. <laughs> and and this is when you hope that they can just salt away, uh, take care of it early, get the second straight win here on this homestand and get to 2-1 and one on this homestand. That, that really looks like it's going to be critical to the, to the Pills this season. Yeah, I agree. Terrence Jones will be back tonight, too. That'll help. Everybody's available except for Quincy Pondexter. And JD, I don't know. I just ran. I just ran into the uh, Dallas broadcasters at the airport this morning. They don't believe that Dirk uh, may play tonight because um, they're in a back-to-back, and I think they want to use him at home tomorrow night. So we may not have to deal with Swish Forty-One. We'll see. Uh, but uh, I'll look forward to seeing you over at the Smoothie King Center a little bit later today. We will be there. John DeShazer with us on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue our basketball conversation with the voice of the Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, after this break. Hey, New Orleans, the world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun starting Friday night. Come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans and Mavericks tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, We started our conversation with John DeShazer. We'll continue now in earnest as we welcome back our old friend Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, as the Mavs return to town tonight uh, to take on the Pelicans at 7 p.m., game two of the season series. Dallas has already won the first meeting, 91-81. And Dallas rolls into New Orleans here, winners of two straights. How about that, Chuck? Yeah, how about that, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Only the second time all year that it's happened. But uh, you know, things are starting to turn around for the Mavericks a little bit. They're 6-6 they're six and six in their last 12 games. Uh, they've been much better on offense. Uh, you know, the two games that they won uh, on the coast against Portland and the Clippers, uh, you know, one game was won by you know, some great defense by Wesley Matthews late in the game after the Mavericks had almost blown a 25 point lead. And then, you know, in the second half of the game in uh, Los Angeles against the Clippers and granted no Chris Paul, no Blake Griffin, but the Mavericks trailed for all of 18 seconds of the second half. And they managed to find a way to, to win that game. Harrison Barnes had a great shot. 
and Dirk came back, and Dirk looked fantastic in 15 minutes. So, uh, you know, pretty soon J.J. Barea is going to be able to play, and Andrew Bogut's going to be able to play, and this team is going to uh, look like the team that they have uh, that they thought they were going to have at the beginning of the season, but really have never been able to put on the floor. Yeah, that sounds awfully familiar. As the Pelicans tonight will have everyone except Quincy Pondexter. Go back to your list there just for a second, Chuck, because it seems like there was some confusion coming into today, or at least some uh, some fog around who might go and who may not go. Let me start with Dirk Nowitzki. It's a back to back for you guys. Can he play in back to backs? And if that's the case, does he play against New Orleans tonight? You think? Well, uh, I mean, he went through shoot around this morning, okay. so uh, I'm anticipating that he will play and that he will play. He'll play the first three games, I think, of this. It's, and again, it's not like his minutes are normal Dirk minutes. I mean, and, it, and in the end, uh, you know, the Mavericks are hoping that Dirk's minutes will top out at about 28 minutes a game. But he played 15 the other night, which is about three minutes more than we thought he'd play. But he was going so great in the second quarter. I don't think Rick Carlisle wanted to take him out. Yeah. And, and finally, he did get him out there late in the quarter. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he definitely, I think they, he definitely wants to play at home. Dirk definitely wants to play a game at home. And, uh, you know, again, if his minutes aren't too extensive tonight, which I don't think they'll be, you know, somewhere between 15 and 17 minutes, that uh, the, he should be okay to do this. I mean, we're playing four games in five nights because after uh, our game in H- with Houston tomorrow, we're off on Wednesday and then travel to play the Lakers on Thursday and the Warriors on Friday. And I would doubt very seriously that he would play the Warriors game. I mean, he'd play the Lakers game because that's obviously a game that's a winnable game for the Mavericks right now. And, uh, you know, and with the standings being what they are, and you see them as well as I do, uh, the eighth the eighth seed in the playoffs is still very much in play. And the, the way you're going to get there is by beating the teams around you. And thus, you know, games against the Pelicans, games against the, the, the Lakers really become very, very important games. Yeah, no doubt. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, and, and with that being said, I'm glad that Dirk is scheduled or at least may play tonight. Because, Chuck, whether New Orleans fans, you know, have come to hate Dirk Nowitzki because he, by the way, uh, he's had almost as many 20-point games against New Orleans as anybody else ever. You're going Kobe, only Kobe Bryant has won more. Um, look, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that he is, he is a special, special player uh, that you've got a front-row seat to now for years and years, and nobody wants to see a guy just fall apart here near the end of his career. Am I right? Well, again, look what happened to Kobe. You know, Kobe basically fell apart yeah. at the end of his career. You know, to where he, he didn't play at the level uh, that he played at for the majority of his career. He was hurt a lot at the end of his career. You know, Dirk's really never been hurt. He was hurt one year at the beginning of the 2012-13 season, and he missed 27 games at the beginning of that year. Uh, you know, he's missed a bunch of games here, and, you know, you, you, you want to see him look as a reasonable facsimile thereof. And, and I think the Mavericks are doing everything they can to ensure that he will do that. Because, I mean, who wants to see great players fall off the cliff? We, we fall in love with great players because they're great players. Right. We don't want to see you know, somebody inhabiting that body that's doing something other than what we expect them to do. And so, you know, the fact that Dirk came back as well as he did, uh, it looks like the, the rehab plan that they put in place uh, in late November, really, which started with uh, the game against the Pelicans. He sat that game out after playing against the, the Cavaliers the, uh, two nights before. Uh, that it, it, it looks like it's work. He said he felt great. Uh, his legs were a little heavy at first on Friday night, 
Uh, but as the game went on, he felt better, which tells me that he wants to play more. He certainly wants to push himself more. And basically, that's on the uh, the Maverick training staff to make sure that uh, he stays to the plan. And knowing that training staff, they will make sure he does exactly that. 400 and change. That's how many points he needs to get to 30,000. Chuck, he should get that this year, shouldn't he? I think he will. Yeah. yeah. And and look, you know, that is a lot of what the, the team marketing focus has, has been around. It's the it's the run to thirty thousand. The fact that you know basically we have two years left of Dirk. We have this season and next. He signed for two years, and uh, you know Dirk has always said that uh, as long as he's healthy and happy, and his team is playing for things that are important, uh, then uh, then he will continue to play and you know take it one year at a time. So if he comes back from this and you know he plays well the rest of the season, and the Mavericks are in there hunting uh, you know late in the season try to make the playoffs and you know if they're fortunate enough to overtake a whole lot of people and get to the playoffs then I think he'll certainly look at this as a successful year and then he'll want to come back and do it one more time now you know he won't get the uh, the, the Kobe uh, the, the Kobe Derek Jeter treatment on the uh, farewell tour because he doesn't want that and that's that's not his style at all but he just wants to play loves the competition uh, loves being around the guys and, and wants to keep that going as long as he can fair enough Hey, back to your injury list. What's the latest on J.J. Barea and Andrew Bogut both? Neither will play tonight. Uh, Bogut will work out before the game. Uh, will work out pretty hard, according to Rick Carlisle, and uh, he may play tomorrow night. Uh, you know, usually the Mavericks, when they, it seems like when they put you down as questionable, uh, very soon thereafter you go from questionable to playing. It's like not questionable to probable like the NFL does it. Uh, you're questionable, and then you're in. Um, and so I think they want to see how Bogut comes out of this workout tonight. Uh, he's definitely been missed, especially as it relates to rebounding um, and uh, and screen setting and you know defending the rim and all, all the things that Andrew Bogut's become known for. Uh, J.J. will probably be out, uh, I think, another week. He probably won't play this week. Uh, that we, we all got uh, quite scared in Portland when he left the game with, with what was called at the time a strained Achilles because he had just come off a, a torn calf that kept him out five weeks, came back, played basically you know, a game and a half, if that, and then uh, sat down again. He just said this morning that uh, his injury is not as bad as the last one, uh, uh, you know, but he's still going to be out for a little bit anyway. So uh, I, I would not anticipate him seeing uh, him uh, before next Tuesday when the Mavericks play the Wizards. Chuck Cooperstein with us here from the Dallas Mavericks, Radio Voice. Hey, uh, Chuck, Dallas head coach Rick Carlisle, what do you think he's telling his team today about tonight's matchup with New Orleans? You know that guy wearing number 23? He's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you might want to do something to try to, you know, to make him work for his points. And I think actually – Sean, in the game in Dallas uh, right after Thanksgiving, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Davis did not shoot the ball great in that game. He shot a lot of free throws to get to his 36 points. And they, and they made him work a little bit defensively. And, and that's what you basically have to do with all great players in this league because they're so great that if you don't make them work at least at one end of the floor, then they're just going to dispute. Uh, but I, I, and that's really going to be the plan as much as it can be the plan. And I think, uh, you know, with Bogut out, Dirk starts at the five. Uh, you know, we'll see how uh, the Pelicans, you know, if, if, if Zins, is Zins going to out and play him out there or is Davis going to play him out there? And if Davis plays him out there, well, then that means he's 
uh, he's farther away from the basket. Maybe he doesn't get as many rebounds as he would get otherwise. So, uh, I mean, he's terrific. Drew Holiday has killed the Mavericks in the past. Uh, you know, he had a big run there in the fourth quarter in the first game that got the Cubs a six-point lead. Uh, he, he always shot the ball well against the Mavericks. they got to worry about him. Uh, and, I, and I think that they know that, uh, you know, the Pelicans want to play pretty fast. And they, they want it, they, they'd like to get the game kind of a, of a ratty game, if you will. And I don't think the Mavericks really want to play that game. They're not a, I don't think they're afraid to run, uh, although they haven't had many fast-break points. But they, they don't want the Pelicans you know, scoring 107 points tonight because I, I don't think the Mavericks feel like they can win a game like that. But they feel like if they can keep the Pelicans uh, you know, around 100, uh, then they do have a heck of a chance to win that game. And when you consider that of the nine games the Mavericks have won this year, eight times they've held their opponents to 100. And in fact, in their wins, Sean, they are holding their opponents to 88 points a game. Uh, and, and not all of that is simply just pace-related. Uh, they've actually really played well on the defensive end. And, you know, they did that against the Pelicans in the first game between these teams this year, held them to 81, held them to you know, about 38% shooting in the game. Yeah, it was it was so much fun. I can I can remember of it. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, just a, it was just tremendous to watch, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Just, just like that Cavaliers-Warriors game yesterday. How about that? Mm, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> um, unbelievable. I don't want to say that Kyrie Irving walked on his game-winning shot, but maybe. Anyway. Well, uh, and I don't, I don't want to say that Richard Jefferson didn't step on Kevin Durant's foot, but maybe. Maybe, yep, you're right. Uh, <laughs> before we get ourselves in trouble, uh, dare I ask you about your Dallas Cowboys, who also played tonight, by the way, but um, I know you're in tune with them. This has been pretty fun, I'm sure, for Cowboys fans over the last couple of months. They're quite beside themselves, and they should be. I mean, their their future is their future is playing for them right now. It's not just the present; it's the it's the future that's doing all this. Uh, the, the quarterback is just incredibly poised. Uh, it's funny. I did a, I did his game last year uh, for national radio at uh, at Texas A and M, and and they lost that game. Uh, and in fact, that's the only game that A uh, and M has won in the division in like the last four years at home. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But Dak looks so. Disinterested, you know, there was no sense of urgency to how he played in that game, and I think I took that, uh, I took that all wrong. You know, I took that as a lack of urgency, as opposed to just the the calmness of his demeanor and his unflappable nature, which, for the most part, he really has been this year. I mean, look, you know, the Giants got to him uh, a couple of times, the Eagles beat him up pretty good in that Sunday night game in late October. But other than that, I mean, that guy is just, I mean, he, there is, I mean, I dare I say it, a, a, a Brady, uh, Breeze-esque element to how he handles himself that is going to carry him in really good stead for a long time, as long as he stays healthy. And Elliott clearly is the best running back in football. Wow. And, uh, and not only, uh, you know, loves the contact, but I mean, he loves, uh, you know, having that ball in his hand and, you know, Feed him as much as you want to feed him, and he, he just seems to thrive on that. And, look, and I guess all the great running backs do that. Uh, you know, so they've been able to sort of recast themselves uh, with Des Bryant really being pretty average for a lot of the year. Uh, you know, they, they have good receivers, but not great receivers. Jason Witten's a great tight end, I will say that. Um, but there, there's nothing extraordinary about their, their throwing game other than the fact that they make very few mistakes in the throwing game. And as the great philosopher Jimmy Johnson once told us, it's not about the plays that you make. It's about the mistakes that you don't make. And the Cowboys make 
very few mistakes on offense. I'm a little surprised you were so readily at a, a Jimmy Johnson quote so readily available for us today. <laughs> well, I can't tell you how many times in five years of covering Jimmy as closely as I did yes. that I heard that quote. So, I, Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, if it's the Cowboys and the Falcons in the NFC Championship game, who wins? Boy, what a great game. What a great game. Um, the Cowboys will be playing at home. And home actually seems to matter to the Cowboys now, as it basically had not for the first, oh, six or seven years that uh, the stadium has been open. But they really do seem to have an advantage there playing at home. And I just think there is something that the Cowboys have that uh, unquantifiable it. Whatever it is, they have. And whether it's you know, Dak or, or Zeke doing what they do, whether it's Sean Lee making 15 tackles a game, whether it's an undermanned secondary, you know, covering people that they shouldn't be able to cover, they, they just find a way to be able to do that. And, you know, I, I just have a feeling that the stars, moon and sun have all lined up for the Cowboys this year. And whoever is in their path, I mean, it may not always be pretty, uh, but it will be dramatic. And I have a feeling they're going to find a way to get this done and get to Houston. Man, I don't know if I can stomach this. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> la- last question. Tony Romo is where next season? Uh, Tony Romo will be either in Houston or he will be in Denver, wow. one place okay. or the other. All right. And but Now, I, I don't know if that will be by trade uh, or simply by release. Sure, the Cowboys would love to trade him, but uh, everybody knows what the situation is. Uh, but I think the, the Cowboys clearly, uh, you know, they, they, they'll they save $6 million. Uh, you know, they, they still have to pay him 19, he'll be $19 million on, on the books for next year. Uh, but, you know, they, they can't afford to have him sitting around, and they can't afford to have him sitting around so that Jerry Jones can just uh, keep this thing going and, uh, you know, carry the torch for him the way he does. It's just not a healthy situation for the franchise. And it's not healthy for Romo, who wants to play. And you know what? He has every right to want to play. But the fact is, as I said at the start of this, the future is now here in Dallas. And the the future is Dak Dak Prescott. It's a fun story to watch. It surely is. Um, And and – I can't say I'll – well, there's no way I'll root for him. i just leave it at that. No, I know you're okay. not. It's okay. Uh, right. It really okay. is. I just, I just it's want, okay. We're just having a conversation, so I just wanted to be honest. That's, That's all. right. Yes. Exactly. We're, 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 we're buds. We, we yes. know who you're talking to, Sean. Uh, it's yes. okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I hope you have a great day in New Orleans, and I'll see you tonight, sir. See you over there. Take care. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, since I know that you partake in both. I do. Yes. And the same to everybody out there. Thank you. Thank you very much on behalf of everyone else. Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Of course, the Pelicans and the Mavs tonight at the Smoothie King Center. We'll wrap up this Monday program here in just a moment. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. 
Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle the family chow chow seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans. See Anthony Davis and the Pels face off against Chris Paul and the L.A. Clippers. Wednesday, December 28th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, I hope you got everything you wanted for Christmas or Hanukkah, and uh, some of you may have some family events still coming up this week, so stay festive all week long, uh, despite the uh, Hawaiian-like weather here, at least in the Deep South. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to put a wrap on fantasy football for the year. I I know most of you who play fantasy football, it's all said and done uh, with one week to go in the NFL's regular season. Since I don't play, uh, I don't know if your league is done or not, or, you know, if you were all even involved this past weekend. But Daniel Salerson's really tied into that stuff. And on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report, he'll welcome back Jake Seeley one last time this season from Roto Experts. And uh, while they will not be getting you ready for fantasy football this weekend, they'll look back on the fantasy football season that was. I think they've got some awards lined up, too. They want to pass out uh, to uh, folks that may have helped fantasy teams across the country and the globe throughout this uh, 2016 NFL fantasy football season. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com makes his uh, Tuesday stop as well as the Pelicans continue this homestand, which will see New Orleans at home for three games this week. Dallas tonight, as we had already talked about. Clippers are here on Wednesday, and then the New York Knicks will be here on Friday to wrap up a five-game homestand for New Orleans. And a bit later in the week, we'll dive deep into the Saints and Falcons. Again, hopefully, uh, will be a fun matchup on Sunday afternoon, 325 kick at the uh, at the Georgia Dome. Gosh, it just hit me. This will be the last Saints game uh, at the Georgia Dome. The new stadium is supposedly going to be ready to go for next season. So good riddance to the circus tent in downtown Atlanta. I had to throw that in there. Hope you had a great Monday, everybody. And uh, thanks again to John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com today. Chuck Cooperstein as well from the Dallas Mavericks. Daniel Salerson kicks off our Pelicans coverage tonight on the radio. 6.30, the Pelicans warm up. He'll be live and amongst the fans outside the uh, Pelicans team shop by Adidas in the atrium at the Smoothie King Center. And then we'll have the broadcast of the ball game for you at 7 p.m. There is coverage tonight on Fox Sports New Orleans as well. All right, everybody. Merry Christmas again. Happy Hanukkah to you and yours. Daniel, we'll see you tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. I'll see you on the radio tonight. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.